0: Okay, so is that all turned on and all good? Okay, that's, that's great. Well, thanks, Mike, for the uh, warm welcome here at St Albans this morning. And uh, Catherine and I count it a privilege to come and, and uh, worship with you and, and to, to share the word uh, this morning. Just a little background about ourselves. Um, previously, we'd had something like 25 years experience in, in a variety of churches and um, different forms of ministry as well as that I've, I've run a painting business for, I don't know, 20 or 30 years probably um, Catherine's a full-time teacher uh, based in Royal Oak but she moves around across central and east Auckland um, as a resource teacher. We're three adult children uh, and this year, we, like Mike, we became grandparents for the first time and that, <laughs> that, was, that was really good. In fact my daughters, who are the two older ones, um, individually came up to us and said look, I don't think you'd better count on us you know, it was sort of like he, he's, he's the one, he will be the one that um, produces grandkids for you and so it's turned out but that was um, very exciting three months ago so we have a little three month old and his name's Eddie um, so we have a wolf, he's our nephew and we have an Eddie who's uh, our grandson So um, I'm currently registered with the the union as a a Baptist pastor, but primarily this past year, 2020, my responsibility has been to oversee and manage the redevelopment of our building um, at Langholm Baptist Church. It's the furthest Western Baptist church in Auckland, and um, we've been taking part in a $1.2 million build, so it's been... um, Exciting, but pretty full on, um, and, and we're, we've 95% completed, so we have an opening on the uh, 14th of March, um, uh, just to, to get underway. I also have an interest in theology, and I completed a Master's of Theology at Laidlaw College in 2018, uh, and one of my passions is connecting the biblical narrative <clears throat> to events that make up the times that we're living in or living through, with a view to understanding something of what God might be saying to us. So with that in mind, let's dive in. And I think you'd all agree that this year, 2020, has been a year like none other that I can recall. And I've had the sense that the issue of clean, breathable air in our own environment, our own space, is of huge importance, both in the natural realm and in the spiritual realm. And because there are parallels and crossovers between these two, I'd like to explore this topic this morning. And I want to start by considering three ways our access to clean, breathable air has been affected. So the first example, if you can think, cast your mind back 12 months, it it feels like five years, doesn't it? But 12 months ago, um, Australia was suffering some of the worst bushfires in their history. And... um, Large cities like Sydney and Melbourne, but also many of the rural towns in, in New South Wales and uh, Victoria were ablaze. And, and property and lives were in danger. But also smoke and ash dominated the atmosphere for months. So at a personal level, our uh, sister-in-law lives in the western suburbs of Sydney. She couldn't go out for something like six weeks because she would get an asthma attack every time she went out because of the level of contaminants in the, in the air. And then in July and August, um, the Western USA, especially California, um, experienced the worst summer of total acreage of bush and forest fires on record, on recent record. And the outcome made breathing really difficult in big cities like LA and San Francisco. Moreover, the ash and the airborne passage of contaminants influenced many companies to actually relocate from the Western side of America either further to the Midwest or to the eastern uh, states of America. So that's the first example. And the second example is the one obvious one that we add into the mix, COVID. A virus that is airborne and passed on as air droplets by simple close proximity to an infected person is not new. The flu virus infects millions of people worldwide annually in this way. But what's different here is that COVID is like an attack weapon that turns the body's immune system against itself. And once infected by COVID, especially for people that are um, susceptible or have pre-existing conditions, as we know, um, breathing, particularly for those, um, becomes difficult. And as a last resort, patients are incubated with a machine breathing for them, and many do not recover. So if that wasn't enough, and then then a third example I just want to highlight this morning. Um, And that is the spectre of racism within the US has been pushed to the fore with the death of George Floyd, uh, the African-American gentleman at the hands of of white policemen. And the cry that Floyd Floyd was last heard to utter as the cop held his neck for an extended period of time on um, George Floyd was, I can't breathe. And, of course, we've seen the protests from cities and towns in in the States have erupted, condemning what they see as the toxic nature of institutional racism within police departments. And the phrase, I can't breathe, now epitomizes the effects racism has had on black communities within America. Now, I realize that this is not, you know, a little one-minute slice is not this subject is worthy of, of way more than that, and, and there are just two things I can recommend. There was a um, article in the New Zealand Baptist about three months ago by a lady called Jenny I think her name is, on this very topic. Thoroughly recommend that. It's not a long read, but its basic thrust is that if we think this is a problem that is contained or, or um, isolated to America, then we're, we're mistaking ourselves. On the one hand, and the second thing I would say is that there was a um, YouTube um, conversation that was recorded. If you do a YouTube search, you'll find it. It was a conversation between Stephen Furtick, the um, senior pastor of Elevation Church in the States, with Pastor John Gray of Relentless Church, I think, in um, South Carolina. And it just gives the growing up perspectives of what it was like for a white young man who went on to pastorage, or young Christian, and a black man um, growing up as a Christian, and just some of the differences in perspective, I found it really, really enlightening um, in that 50-minute interview. But anyway, at three levels, there appears a significant disruption to humanity's ability to access clean, breathable air, free of viruses and contamination. And as I indicated earlier, often what happens in the natural realm has a counterpoint to what is happening or potentially happening in the unseen realm. Because as Paul notes in 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 47, he says, as it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual, however, was not first, but the natural and then the spiritual. And the first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. And this quote in Corinthians is of course referring to the final stages of creation when God breathed his ruach, his spirit or breath into Adam and he became a living creature, Genesis 2-7. So first in the natural, then in the spiritual. In other words, Adam was formed first of the dust of the earth, the natural, and then God breathed his spirit into Adam's lungs and he became a living being, A spiritual being. If the status of the air we breathe naturally, its quality and its health-giving attributes has come under question as never before, what are some of the parallels of counterparts observable in the spiritual realm? So that's my question this morning. And I want to just um, examine two aspects. And the first is the power of the breath of God to transform lives. You know, as Christians, we're reliant on the breath of God, aren't we? Um, The Spirit who has come to live within us to reveal Jesus and to enable us to glorify him. Just as Adam and the breath of God entered him, he, he became a living being. So we who have received the Spirit have been born anew into a living kingdom in which Jesus Christ is Lord. The upper room experience of the disciples in which Jesus breathes upon the disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit, echoes Yahweh's breathing of life into Adam and Genesis. And at the same time, it foreshadows the outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost. And Acts 2, 1-4, records the coming of the Spirit. The tongues of fire were accompanied by speaking in tongues, a heavenly language spoken and heard by the Jewish diaspora visiting in Jerusalem for the special feast and each one heard their own language spoken um, yeah so are there any folk here that for whom English is not a first language in other words you grew up with a mother tongue that was another from another um, nation another country are there any, anyone, anyone here this morning for whom English is not a first language Over here, yeah. So what was your first language, sir? Zoli. Zoli. Solly. Z-O-L-R. Okay, okay. Okay, yeah, that's fine. All right, yeah, and... First language is Hungarian. Hungarian, very good. Okay, well, so if you can imagine, it's like um, I'm speaking here in English, and um, Zoli here hears... In Hungarian, what I'm saying, and that's what it was like, because there were all of these people from different parts of the Mediterranean, from, from Greece, from Rome, from um, Turkey, from you know, modern-day Turkey, from Syria, and they all had their own language, And here they were hearing other people in the meeting, in, in the gathering, um, speaking in a language that they could understand. It was an absolute you know, work of God's supernatural power as he, as he breathed out his spirit. And in many ways, the outpouring of the Spirit represented a reversal of the judgment that inflicted by God on the builders of the tower at Babel. There at Babel, God separated the tongues in order that the nations might be scattered to the four corners of the earth. But here at Pentecost, the speakers of many languages heard supernaturally their own language spoken as the Spirit was poured out. And it signaled God's intention to take the gospel to all the nations of the world. Do you believe that? Not so sure. Okay, well let's see if we can build the case. (laughs) Indeed, scripture teaches that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations before the end shall come. Jesus said that in Matthew 24, uh, verse 14. So God's purpose didn't end with the nation of Israel nor with Christ's small band of disciples who then forged and became the apostles in the early church. But it extends to the nations of the earth that they might experience the revelation of his goodness. Habakkuk 2 verse 14 speaks to this end. It says, The earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Can anyone tell me what the the last part of that is? as the waters cover the sea, exactly. Now, when you think about the waters, the oceans, they're pretty deep, they're pretty wide, they're pretty extensive. Um, That's the extent to which the glory of God, at one point in our future, is going to cover the nations of the earth. That's, That's God's promise. That's his intent. So here's my question. Oh, no, okay. So his ultimate goal is to return conditions upon the earth to where people from every nation freely worship and experience the glory of God. That which Adam lost will one day be restored when heaven once more is reunited with earth in a new creation. So here's my question. Is it possible that because God's goal is to restore his presence to the nations, that in some sense he is using the season of COVID-19 to deliberately provoke the nations to seek him? So that's, that's my suggestion, that's my question. Now, One man who believes that um, this is the case is Dr. Tony Evans, an African-American pastor. And speaking of the conflict and distress that the world is experiencing in the modern era makes the argument that God is more likely the source by way of removing his favour, his blessing, his hand of protection. And this allows what Dr Evans calls the passive judgment of God as opposed to the active judgment of God. So if you, if you think of Noah's flood, you think of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah as the active judgment of God, then, then by comparison this is like a passive judgment. It's, it's not God causing it but, but using it in order that the nations might seek him, and he quotes from Second Chronicles fifteen three to six. During the reforms of Asa, God troubled them with every kind of distress. Verse four: that in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and they sought him. So we who are living through this season of COVID has been anointed to be his image bearers to a tired and a hurting world, yet sometimes we are the ones that stand tired and hurting ourselves. It's okay to be not okay. has been a theme that we've heard repeatedly through 2020. And when we're in this place, Jesus offers hope and rest for his burden is easy and his yoke Is light. And his word is to come unto me, all who are weighed down and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. And that's his invitation for those of us in that place this morning. If it was the breath upon the early church that made them come alive by the power of the Spirit, surely he is just as able to come alive in the same way in you and me. You see, the breath of God holds within it the power to produce. Transformation and workspaces and meetings and acquaintances with people we meet, family, just about anywhere. The same power scripture says that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. That's his breath. That is all about transformation. So that's the first thing that I think this comparison highlights, that the breath of God has been poured out continues to be poured out, and ultimately will bring about the, the culmination of God's purposes uh, for the age. But the second thing a focus on the air we breathe highlights in the spiritual is that God is giving his people eyes to see and hearts to perceive the enemy's strategies. You know, the Apostle Paul describes Satan in Ephesians as the prince of the power of the air, doesn't he? The prince of the power of the air. And people living at around the time that Paul wrote that had a very stratified view of how the world was. There was life on the earth, there was life in the air above the earth, and there was an afterlife that was under the earth that they called Sheol. So it kind of split it into three um, categories, as it were human steward of the affairs of the earthly realm. The stratosphere, or the air above the earth, was the habitation of angels, both good and bad, of demons and evil spirits. And Sheol was the place of the departed spirits of humans. So back in 2019, um, in September, uh, St. Albans Baptist group were heading to Israel and uh, my brother had had phoned about a year before and said would you be interested in coming along and of course we we definitely were and so we joined the group um, in Tel Aviv and uh, piggybacked as it were along with the group of the folk who um, who made a 10 or 11 day Miriam was there and and, uh, Bart and um, yeah it was It it was absolutely fantastic, a really, really exciting and and a wonderful time. But one of the places that we visited was the remains of the Qumran community in the Judean desert, and it was destroyed by the Romans in about AD 70, about the same time as they had destroyed Jerusalem. They just kept on going um, down south and and, and destroyed the community. is famous for the nearby caves in which they hid thousands of documents known as the Dead Sea Scrolls in clay jars you're probably familiar with that um, and what stood out was the large number of outdoor pools as we were walking around, were, I don't know I didn't count exactly but it seemed to be about eight or nine outdoor bathing pools that had steps dug down into the rock and then there would be like, almost like a size of a baptismal pool in the rock And then some of them even had steps going back up the other way. And um, it just seemed these people in this community were fanatical about cleanliness, both physically and spiritually. And communities like Qumran left hundreds of documents behind describing how to stay safe from the spiritual forces of darkness who they believed inhabited this space beyond the earth. And most of them involve repentance, um, cleansing in these, these baths or pools, and then prayer from the elders of the community. It's interesting, isn't it, that that for about three or four hundred years that this this, commun- this community was in operation, and there were others like it as well, who who weren't necessarily believers in Jesus the Messiah, but they were believers in in Yahweh, and they had this understanding that it was that that. Cleansing in, in water was an important, significant thing, and and of course we within um, the Christian tradition have baptized people for you know as long as we can um, count back, and often when someone comes to f- faith in Christ, um, we we suggested them that um, that they might like to be baptized as a as a as a indication of their a commitment to follow Christ, and so they go down under the water. And then, then the, the pastors or the elders or the leaders of the youth group or whatever will pray for folk. Um, and it's almost like the same pattern that was established there we've, we've followed through um, in our own Christian tradition. Anyway, that's kind of an aside. Did they actually ascribe sovereignty to Satan over the, of the earth in a literal sense? It's possible. However, more likely in a metaphorical sense that saw the spiritual attacks occurring from a spiritual dimension removed from ours, just as the air above the earth is a step removed from the earth. But regardless, whether it was literal or metaphorical, spiritual, what's without doubt is that Satan's goal is to kill, steal and destroy the faith of believers. And I just want to give you an example of how this kind of played out a little bit um, in 2020 for, for me. Um, as you know, Auckland experienced uh, a second lockdown because we'd had a second outbreak. They couldn't quite figure out where it had come from, and so they put us into lockdown. And I found that particularly hard because um, having come out of the first one and then gone basically back to level one and we were able to go to rugby matches, we were able to go out, and we had church again, we were able to meet... Um, for fellowship, and so on. Um, and then to suddenly go back into lockdown, I find it, found it quite um, challenging. Is it just me, or is that feedback? Can you hear that from there, or is it just I'm hearing it from here? You're okay. As well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I found that my, my confidence in the Lord and, and in the future... Uh, took a, a bit of a hit. And if you remember, I was managing this project, you know, um, with significant amounts of money, and, and people um, all of a sudden who'd committed to give suddenly didn't, and, 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 and some have since come on board and so on. And so that's not been a problem since. But at the time, it kind of was. And um, it just seemed like the life of God was being squeezed out of me. Well, one morning in my devotions, the Lord spoke to look up Isaiah 43, and especially verse 17. And it's all about the crossing of the Red Sea. Remember where the um, Israelites came to the Red Sea, God parted the waters. They go across on the, on the dry land. And the Egyptian army, it says, were draw- that God had drawn out the Egyptian army. And it just struck me like never before how the fact that God had out the deceiver outsnooked the enemy by th- getting them to think that that they were safe and going out across that passage that the Israelites had used, and then, of course, boom came down and they 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 were all drowned. And as I was thinking about this and just considering it in my mind, I had this picture of this giant python, like a huge snake, and in the spirit I felt that it had got so close to me that it was like crushing the life out of me and immediately God spoke again and he said you're going to have to crush the head of the snake and of course that's a passage from Genesis 3.15 don't you love it when God uses scripture to speak <laughs> scripture into you and I have to say this sort of thing of God speaking in this way is not altogether normal for me but, but this was like remarkable and, and I knew what he was talking about And so I began to take authority and come against this dark force. And I realised that like the Egyptian army, it had been drawn out and been exposed to the light in order that it might be taken down. And from that point on, things began to turn around. They didn't happen in an instant, but they did begin to happen. And it's interesting that the promise in Genesis... That the offspring of the woman shall cross the head of the serpent clearly refers to Jesus, the Messiah. But it also goes on to say that eminent, the enmity will continue between in other words, for all I take that to mean for all generations that enmity will continue between Eve's offspring and the serpents. That's you and me at times having to do battle with the forces of darkness. You know, we're living in complicated and stressful times in which the enemy of our soul wants to destroy the thing that God is doing in and amongst us. And so recognising his strategies is the first step to overcoming. And taking authority against them enables the Spirit of God to once more breathe fresh hope and life into our lungs. And, yet, you know, sometimes taking authority doesn't necessarily have to involve a conflict. Often it does, like in that instance. But sometimes it just takes the form of treating ourselves with a degree of kindness that better reflects God's view of ourselves. I want to read a poem from a friend of mine, Lisa Dion. And uh, it just really sums it up better than I can say. It's called A Love Note. I want you to write yourself a love note, a story of the spirit that lives in you, rises up, defies opposition. I want you to write the inverse of everything that you've been told that hurts, limits, keeps you sold out to the opinions of others. Who do you know, even amongst those who truly love you, who, do, who see you truly, who do, who do not see you through a lens imperfect? You are everything to the one who perceived you before you stood up, this one calling every day your name, that you might live unto yourself. And know that when the darts come out of the night, you have a shield and a counterpoint to every word that isn't true. That you have comfort when strength is in short supply. Encouragement, when to show up smiling, takes every ounce of will. I want you to write yourself a love note. From the spirit who lives, breathes in you, stands up to bless you, declares against all that would hurt intentionally and inadvertently, that the words echoing might die out on the tongue, dissolve when they reach the ear, meet the light, come undone. Isn't that lovely? I just think it really... And she wrote that in October of of 2020. And it just seemed to so marry in with what I'd been sensing and experiencing God showing me. But if we use the analogy of the contaminants from the fires being likened to the darts of the enemy, leading to anxious thoughts, fear, loss of control, all the things that have happened or been brought on throughout 2020, it strikes me that as believers... Living in an age of COVID, we stand in need of a fresh blowing of the breath of God. And this really came home to me. Um, one weekend in August, Catherine and I took the caravan to Muriwai Beach. It's kind of a kind of wild west coast, fairly long beach. And um, in one of our beach walks, we came across a really fit individual, kite surfing. Have you seen people kite surfing? Yeah. And um, he was taking the power of the wind and skillfully allowing it to produce forward motion as he scooted across the shallow waters. So here he was standing on a... somewhere across between a boogie board and a surfboard, which had, you know, um, things for his feet so that when, when he got lifted off, he would lift up the board. And, um, and then he was holding on to a handle, and from the handle went up to a sailcloth, which... Um, as I say, he just really skillfully manipulated that cloth, that, that sail, so that he could move in a given direction. He'd come to the end of that direction, and it was really only in about, I don't know, four or five, six inches of water. And then he'd come to that, and he'd change it around, and then he'd, he'd move back the other way. He'd come to a wave, and he'd flip the whole thing, and, uh, and then do a 360 and just land on his feet. And, and I, I was just enthralled watching it because I sense somehow that God was using this as an example of what he's wanting to to provide for us as people. That is to harness the power of the breath or the wind of God to push us in directions that we haven't been in before. See the breath of God, the wind of his spirit is like the umbilical cord that supplies us with nutrients and resources that we need in our daily walk with Christ. And as we face the beginning of a new year in which across the globe there's no diminishing of the uncertainties and consequent anxieties, I just want to give three takeaways as we draw this to a close. But it is true, isn't it? We're like a little oasis in in terms of the whole world. I mean, all of our family, our daughter is in the UK. Um, My sister and her kids are in in London Um, and Catherine's brother is is in they just recently sold and moved to Avalon Beach which is of course the North Sydney beaches so they get there and they immediately get placed into lockdown so they all had Christmas locked down and I'm thinking you know how can we get it so good because you know it has been really that we've kind of been like this little oasis isolated away from what the rest of the world is being pummeled with but anyway there's three three takeaways I just want to leave with us this morning. One is that while we all hope that in 2021 it'll be easier than 2020 there's no guarantee that this will be the case. And so we need to continue to show the flexibility and the resilience in facing changing circumstances. And the second one if Dr Evans is correct in his analysis that God, will not causing the distress of 2020, is using these events to to turn the attention of the nations back to Himself. Then perhaps 2021 will see other events destined to achieve the same end. Um, Hebrews 12, the writer of the Hebrews, talks about, you know. Um, all of creation undergoing a, a shaking. And um, at the end of it, he, he says that um, he encourages believers that we're to look to that which cannot be shaken, the kingdom that God is planting in our midst. So we can have a confidence that God, even in the midst of these other things going on, God is planting his kingdom in our midst, in our hearts. And as we gather and as we, as we do life together, and the third thing is that I, I, I expect the breath of God to begin to blow upon his church even more in 2021. Let's contrast the negative effects that we started out by examining. So, while the smoke and the ash from the bushfires have released contaminants that affect our lungs, the breath of God cleanses and it purifies our hearts and our motives. I found this year that it's, it's been less about the what and more important about the why. Why am I doing things? Why, uh, you know, what are my motives for wanting to do this or wanting to do that? Mainly in connection with the, the build and that sort of thing. But I believe that that's part of what God is doing. He's, he's allowing his breath to purify our hearts and our motives. And secondly, while the COVID virus spreads invisible to the naked eye and then turns the body's immune system back in on itself. The breath of God, while still invisible, unites and heals Christ's body. The church. And I can only speak for our church, but we found that there were, while it was great being on Zoom and and I believe you guys were on YouTube and so on, and, and we had a number of people, um, you know, calling in and, and watching from, you know, Dunedin, from Taupo, from all other places, from where we've had people, you know, move from our church to, to you know, to other workplaces. And that was good. But what we did find was that towards the end, when people, they, some, some of them preferred to stay on Zoom. Some of them didn't want to reconnect. Some of them found it quite challenging, quite hard um, to, to do that. And I really sense that in 2021, God is wanting to re- reunite those folk and heal and, and bring just a sense of, um, of, of, of um, the shalom of God into their situation. And thirdly, while the spectre of institutional racism has been highlighted by the video of the death of George Floyd, the breath of God carries with it the capacity to restore dignity and respect into the heart of every human being. For the biblical narrative not only condemns racism, which it does, but declares that we have all been made in the image of God. And one day, like a vast army, we'll surround the throne of God from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation, to worship and to serve our God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand, and, and if the music team could come back, I'd just like to pray and then uh, hand it back. wonder if we could stand and just pray together. Heavenly Father. You set the the galaxies in space and you hold the planets in motion and and you uphold all things by your power, by your mighty hand. And Lord, as we stand at the close of one year, that for so many of us has been really challenging. And before we embark on 2021, we we humbly recognise our need for the breath of God to create fresh life and hope in each one of us. And for many of us, that well has become dry and we stand in need of your refilling. Lord, we just ask that individually we'll we'll be willing to allow the breath of God to search us, to try us, see if there's any wayward thing that we're hiding in our heart. Lord, help us to surrender to the work of your cross. And finally, breathe upon each one of us fresh vision, I pray, for 2021. Let us rise up on wings of eagles to see with your perspective. And having seen from your perspective, have the courage and the faith to outwork your calling upon us. Truly, we're a blessed people who have been called to walk with you, the living God. Amen. Amen.